Hi guys, this is FJ back once again with a short episode of my podcast. I know I wasn't able to do a podcast this whole week and I've been so, so busy. But finally we are into the weekend and uh, well, here we are with a new episode. So I'm not going to talk about much today. I just want to start with uh, what happened in Paris, France. Uh, This horrible stabbing attack, terrorist attack. um, And that attack was obviously of jihadist nature. Um that took place and two people were wounded both of those people they they work for um, a news agency and uh, so so this person this pakistani guy was arrested Um, his name is uh, ali and uh, he was arrested by french police and uh, he has now confessed to the crime Um, And he said that he carried out the attack to uh, take revenge against uh, the republication of uh, cartoons of Muhammad, right? Um, And as we all know that Charlie Hebdo, the French uh, satirical magazine, they recently republished all their, um, you know, previous cartoons of Muhammad. So, So that's what he said. And we obviously knew this um, even yesterday um, that what could be the most likely motivation behind the attack. Um, now, uh, you know, I, I'm really interested in knowing more about this guy. Which ideology was he motivated by? Was he was he a Sunni radical? Was he a Shia radical? As as you know that you know this name Ali. His name Ali, and this this particular name is well. It is also used by Sunnis, but. Um, it's mostly used by Shia Muslims in Pakistan, um, and uh, so so I'm really interested in finding out what what ideology he supported, which sect he belonged to, um, which uh, jihadist group or jihadist trend was he inspired by? Um, because if you are going out and doing something like that, then you you know you have to be a certain amount of radical, right? There has to be a radical inside you, and I mean. I really generally want to know more about this person, but of course that will that will eventually happen. But right now, I just want to say that um, look, the problem is okay. First of all, people are saying I mean, not people like French authorities are saying that his age is eighteen, but I mean, I was sent multiple pictures of him by someone in France, someone connected to the French police. And I saw those pictures, and he does not look like a. In, he he's not a teenager. Okay, I don't think he's a teenager. I don't think he's eighteen years old. Um, and I don't know what's going on here exactly, but I mean, I I have my own theory because look, this guy claimed asylum, right? He was, he's from Pakistan. Why the hell is he claiming asylum? First of all, that's my question. And who the hell decided that he's a deserving candidate for that? Why was not his request rejected right away? Why, why was he not deported by French authorities? That's my first question, really. And because, look, Pakistan is on a war zone, okay? I mean, if you're a Pakistani Muslim, right? And if you're claiming asylum uh, in some Western country, why the hell are you doing that? I mean, you're a Pakistani Muslim. You should not be claiming asylum. Look, I'm not talking about uh, the economic migrants, okay? That's something different, right? Being an economic migrant is something very different. But claiming asylum is something entirely different, right? 
if you are not from a war zone and if you are still claiming asylum in a western country what you are exactly doing is you're you're basically you know someone who's from a war zone some one poor one guy or some poor syrian guy he might be kicked out he might not be considered his request might be ignored just because you you decided to you know take it a spot basically so if if you're not from a war zone i i just fail to understand why would you claim asylum if especially if you're a pakistani muslim right i mean i can understand if you're a pakistani christian you're a pakistani hindu you're a pakistani atheist i can i, I can completely understand why you would want to claim asylum and you know all such requests i think should be granted because these people are the most grateful you know pakistani hindus pakistani christians when they claim asylum to the you know to to some western country they're they're the most deserving people to be honest but the sad thing is that most of the time their requests are rejected i mean i personally know dozens and dozens of pakistani christians who are still living in um in in multiple asian countries because their request for asylum to to multiple western countries those requests were rejected right so i i really fail to understand what's the i mean what's the logic here you know when it comes to western countries and their stupid immigration laws uh, you know i i really don't understand those laws to be honest i don't know what they're thinking what's the logic there i mean you're giving asylum to pakistani muslims right while you are ignoring pakistani christians and hindus and other minorities why the hell would you do that i mean if you, if if you're a pakistani muslim and if you support the sharia law if you support pakistan's blasphemy law if you support the apartheid against ahmadi muslims right you should stay in pakistan pakistan is the ideal country for you why the hell would you leave pakistan to 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 claim asylum in some western country right so it, it just does not make any sense to me it does not make any sense to me that why does these you know like these these western countries why do they have these these stupid immigration laws or these these very weird priorities when it comes to granting asylum to to people from these countries i i really do not understand that honestly but like i said i don't think that this guy is 18 years old he does not look like a teenager to me what probably happened was i mean i have a theory and this at this point this is really just a theory of mine my theory is that what really probably happened is that he destroyed his documents before claiming asylum right because that's something that people from india bangladesh pakistan afghanistan these you know people from these countries when they're claiming when they're trying to claim asylum when they're trying to um uh, claim the status uh, of an economic migrant right they what they try to often do is they try to uh, play with the law right so for example france has its own immigration laws right so what they do is they try to game the system right they they destroy the documents and then they tell lies to the immigration officer right and uh, they might uh, in in those lies they might change their nationality they might change their age because you know if if you're a minor then the chances of you getting the asylum are, are you know they they get increased right 
the chances just increase just like that just because you are a minor so so i mean i think that's probably what happened with this guy he probably destroyed his documents and um, you know he, he told uh, the immigration officer um that he was uh, what 15 years old at that time because um he came to france uh, three years ago so that means if, if if according to french authorities if he's 18 right now then well at that time he must be 15 or 16 right so um so yeah i mean it does not make any sense to me because this guy does not look like a teenager okay but anyway so it was not surprising for me to see pakistani muslims um you know coming up and basically defending this guy because obviously uh, you can always 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 count on pakistanis to come out in defense of jihadist terrorists islamist extremists of all kinds and colors you can always trust pakistani muslims to do that and i specifically mentioned pakistani muslims here because Pakistani Muslims are really a breed of their own, okay? Um, I'm not going to mix up all other Muslims with Pakistani Muslims because Pakistani Muslims are some of the most radical and most twisted Muslims out there. I'm sorry to say that. Um, and I belong uh, to a Pakistani Muslim family, by the way. So, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. So, so here's the thing. Look, um, people people have been messaging me about this and they've been asking me what, what what do i think about this and look what i think is if you are a person who hates freedom of speech right who hates uh, the idea of democracy and the idea that everyone should be able to criticize and mock anyone they like right or any 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 idea they like so if if you're against all of that right uh, just just don't come to the west okay just just avoid the west okay go to go to saudi arabia go to iran go to somalia or sudan or whatever the hell there is for you out there but don't don't please just don't go towards the west okay um because look you what you do is you also make it really terrible for all the other muslims right and i mean so these Pakistani Muslims who go to the West and they're completely anti-West, right? They hate Western ideals. They, they, they hate democracy. They hate freedom of speech. Um, they hate freedom of religion. They hate Jews, right? They still go to the West. And what they do is they make it worse for other Muslims, Muslims from other countries, right? So just don't do that. If, if you're against all these uh, modern ideas, if you want to stay in 14th century for some reason, you are free to do that. I, I, I personally support your right to stay stupid, to stay in the 14th century, right? Mentally. You can stay there. That's your right. Okay? I will defend your right to stay in the 14th century to my to my death to, to like to my last breath honestly i'm not i'm not even kidding about this i will defend your right to do that but don't bring your bullshit to the west okay don't don't bring that to the west take it somewhere else okay there there are dozens of muslim majority countries most of those countries practice sharia law in some form right go to those countries okay i mean i still don't get why this guy was claiming asylum in france when he was a pakistani muslim okay and he hates freedom of speech 
right? He hates uh, probably he probably hates Jews as well. Okay, uh, and, and and basically he hates uh, everything that West is known for. You know the Western ideals that we strongly believe in. He is against all of those ideals, and so I, I still do not understand what's the criteria here to give asylum to someone. Why would you give asylum to someone who is not persecuted in his country, right? So, I mean, it, again, it does not make any sense to me. But, yeah, that's the thing. So, of course, uh, French law allows making cartoons against or on anyone, okay? Um, doesn't matter if it's a prophet of a religion. Doesn't matter that if, if it's uh, um, if it's uh, some uh, religious leader or um, head of a state or wh whoever it is. It doesn't matter. Uh, the French law protects that kind of freedom of speech, right? So if you have a problem with that, don't go to France. It's very easy, right? So that's what I have to say about that. Now, one other thing I wanted to really discuss, um, more people have been asking me about the role of Qatar, right? And uh, the question which I get a lot is that, why do United States of America and the state of Israel, why do these two countries continue to tolerate Qatar's role in financing of certain Islamist groups and, you know, militant groups as well? For example, Hamas, right? So a lot of people ask me why why does that continue to happen to this date? Why does Qatar and how exactly does Qatar uh, get away with all of this, right? So look, here's the thing. For both the USA and for Israel, it's all about their national interests, okay? So let's talk about United States first, okay? Qatar is a US ally, we all know that. Qatar hosts uh, the US military base. Um, the biggest base, uh, the biggest U.S. base in Middle East, and uh, Qatar is a close, close U.S. ally, okay? Qatar has al also invested a lot in America, okay, in the American economy. So there's that. Now look, uh, Qatar obviously supports uh, certain uh, Islamist groups, okay? As far as the U.S. is concerned, if you are the United States of America and you have all the world's jihadist groups uh, waging a war against you in some form, right? Um, if it's not in the battlefield, <clears throat> then it's uh, the ideological war, right? But pretty much all the Islamist groups out there, they're anti-US, they're completely against US, right? So, it would really serve your interests if you have an ally who keeps an open window towards some of these Islamist groups, right? Because these Islamist groups hate you, but you also want to sometimes not send a drone for an airstrike, but instead send a diplomat, right? Or instead send a message to try to bargain over something, to try to negotiate over something, right? So, how do you do that? You do it through a country like Qatar, right? Qatar is a close US ally, but at the same time, it keeps an open window with these certain Islamist groups. And that open window 
also works in the interests of Americans, you know, on multiple occasions. So that's how it works in the interests of America. Okay, this is just one example. Let's talk about the state of Israel. Like recently, we saw the chief of Mossad flying to Doha and requesting, literally requesting Qatar to pay money to Hamas, right? So why did he do that? He did that to save Israeli lives. He did that because it was in the interest of Israel. Look, if you're the state of Israel and you have a border and across the border you have a militant group which which is jihadist in nature, it does not care about its own people. It does not care who lives or who dies, right? I mean, its motto uh, is really is to to do to 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 basically sacrifice their own lives to, to become a martyr, right? I mean, that's their motto, right? So, if you have such a militant group across your border, right? And if that group is 24-7 ready to strike you with, with dozens of rockets, uh, endangering uh, the lives of your civilians, right? What do you do, right? The question is, what do you do? If you are the state of Israel, what do you do? Well, what you do is you try to delay the conflict, right? You try to delay the conflict as much as you can, right? So, I mean, this is the best deal for for any country, right? This is the best deal Israel can get for now. And the deal is that Qatar basically provides money to Hamas, right? And that makes Hamas calm down, right? Um, and this way peace is maintained at the gaza border basically that's how it is okay so if you're the state of israel and if you don't even have to spend a, a single dime right if you have this other arab country which is paying this money to a group which is also an arab group hamas you know they're all arabs so if, if you have a country uh, with, by the way, no, no, no official diplomatic ties between Qatar and Israel, right? So if you have an Arab country which is willing to pay an Arab militant group money from its own pocket, from its own account, um, and in return, if that militant group says that, okay, we are not going to attack Israel for some time at least, then I think that's the best deal for Israel, right? And Israel knows that. So this is why Israel wants Qatar to, to keep sending that money into Gaza because that allows um, Israel to have a peaceful border for the time being, right? Of course, we know that this is temporary. Israel knows that this is temporary. This is not a permanent solution, right? But they are not aiming for a permanent solution right now. What they're aiming for is to delay the conflict as much as possible, right? They want to save the lives of their civilians. That's their priority right now. So if, if Qatar pays money to Hamas and in return for that money, if Hamas calms down for a while, then you know what? That is best in the interest of Israel. Okay, now I don't know how that really works in the interest of Qatar, to be honest. I don't even know for how long Qatar can afford to, you know, take out that cash and, you know, pay Hamas uh, those, those, uh, all those dollars. But you know what? As long as Qatar is willing to do it, 
Israel will allow Qatar to do it. Okay, because this is the best deal that any country can get. Any country with with the kind of uh, border uh, that Israel has with Gaza, right? So that's 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 why Qatar is um, not just um, ignored by the West and by the state of Israel. Um, you know, when it comes to financing of certain Islamist groups, but they also work with Qatar at times, right? And and that just you know that 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 happens because they know that their interests are protected, okay. And um, I mean, it's just really complicated. Okay, I mean, it's not it's not black and white. There's it's a huge gray zone as well, and a lot of stuff is happening in that gray zone. And people really do not talk about that gray zone because they mostly do not even know about what's going on in that gray zone, right? So because it does not get printed in the media, so you don't know. So, but yeah, some of us do know some some things at least, and. What I can tell you is that as far as Qatar's financing of Islamist militant groups is concerned, uh, Americans know everything and they're for now comfortable with it. And same goes for the state of Israel, right? Now in the future, things can change because things do change, you know, but for now, this is how it is. And uh, so just another example I can give you um, of, of the Taliban, um, the Afghan Taliban who recently signed a deal with the United States of America um, and Qatar played a major role in that deal, right? So that's just one example I can give you guys um, to basically make you understand how Qatar's links with certain Islamist groups work in the interests of United States of America, right? And uh, it was it was largely obviously Pakistan played its own role as well, and this is also why Americans continue to ignore Pakistan's ties with with certain Islamist groups, right? Because a lot of Indians come up to me and ask me this question too: that why is it that Americans are ignoring Pakistan's uh, ties with certain Islamist groups? And this is exactly what I tell them: because look, um, Pakistan has been historically a U.S. ally. It's it is in the interests of United States to to try to you know to try to keep Pakistan engaged, right? It also has a lot to do with China. Obviously, U.S. does not want uh, to see Pakistan going into the Chinese camp completely, right? And turning anti-America anti completely. Americans obviously do not want to see that, right? Uh, but at the same time, um, Americans also think that uh, Pakistan's uh, ties with certain Islamist groups um, can be useful for Americans. And um, I mean, they have proved to be useful so far. Um, Pakistan played a major role, um, you know, in this whole Awan peace deal. So. So yeah, I mean, Pakistan played its own role, but at the end of the day, it was Qatar which hosted, um, which hosted the political office of the Taliban. And uh, well, one reason why Pakistan did not host the uh, political office was that uh, you, you you need 
you needed a, a neutral country for that right and pakistan is not a neutral country um as far as uh, the rest of the world is concerned right um and uh, i mean the whole world understands and really knows um that pakistan has historically supported the taliban right so i mean pakistan is not a neutral party so that is why taliban's political office was um uh, opened in uh, qatar and that obviously happened uh, at the request of the united states of america so um so yeah i mean this is how it works uh if, if qatar maintains uh ties with certain islamist groups and if that is ignored uh by the americans on the surface then well first of all americans are not really ignoring that they are completely um uh, aware of of those ties right um and secondly um they hope to use those ties um for their own interests in the future if needed right so um yeah that's that's how it is so anyway guys uh once again i'm i'm extremely um i'm extremely i would say shocked to see um this uh this incident that took place in paris and i obviously condemn that uh it was a terrorist attack and uh, i hope that this uh, asshole uh this ali guy he's he's sentenced to um to the maximum i would say um and uh, there should be no mercy for these kind of uh, uh people um but at the same time i will also say that um a larger portion of the blame i would like to put on the french authorities and not just the french authorities but i also want to include other western countries other european countries into that because like i said in the very beginning i don't understand what's the criteria for asylum for 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 immigration um if if you're giving uh, asylum um to 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 islamists i mean when when there are so many other deserving people out there you have pakistani hindus who are being uh, forcefully converted to islam you've got pakistani christians you've got pakistani sikhs i mean you have so many people you have got you, you have got pakistani atheists pakistani free thinkers right and you ignore all of those people and you you go on to give asylum to to some pakistani islamist guy who goes on to carry out a terrorist attack in your in your country i mean what's the logic here are you, are you really really going to just go along with this or are these countries going to do something about this maybe change their laws you know maybe reset your priorities when you're uh giving this uh, asylum status to someone right so again um i would put the larger portion of the blame on on western countries their authorities because um they really need to really really need to get their act straight um that's what i'm going to say about that anyway guys this is it for today i'll be back very soon take care of yourself bye bye